This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. So, so we're doing a series here at the beginning of the year, Seeking God or Seeking to Know God. Um, because I think all of us, when we... When we come to God, then we sometimes come because we have preconceived ideas or we have a perception and we sort of have certain things. You know, it's like the guys with the talents. The Bible says uh, there were three guys with talents and the third guy uh, hid his talent. And, um, and so when the master came back, he said, well, uh, master, I have perceived you to be a man who reaps where you have not sown. Therefore, I took this talent and I hid it in the ground. Because of my perception of you going to judge or you going to be this negative master or you're going to, because of my perception of you, the way I see you, the way I know you, I had said there were certain actions or certain reactions. And therefore, I took this talent, I hid it in the ground because I thought like, let me just give it back to him. You know, it's because, because there's no risk, no faith, no nothing involved. And so our perception, our seeking, our wanting to know God, our desire, um, <clears throat> that hunger for God is, is so important. And especially if you're a Christian that's been walking the walk and talking the talk, we think like, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm reading my Bible. I'm, I'm, I'm a disciplined believer. I, I don't sin like them. But the question is that I want to start off is, is do we really see God to know him? Or do we see God to receive his blessing? Or do we see God for other reasons? Or do we see God for a safe space because it's tough in South Africa? Um, and, and, and that's the challenge. So, uh, I started last week and I'm gonna recap just quickly, so bear with me. Are you alright if I just recap a little bit? In 1st Chronicles 28, verse 8 to 10, this is where David sort of hands over the baton to his son Solomon. And, um, and he sort of instructs him to do a couple of things. And, uh, so eventually we know what happened is, God asked, you know, Solomon, what do you want? And Solomon could have asked for anything. He could have asked for the world, the nations. And so Solomon asks for wisdom. He says, Lord, give me wisdom. And um, eventually we know that Solomon messed up a lot, although he had all the wisdom. And the other day as I was spending time with God, God sort of, I just felt in my heart uh, this question. What if Solomon asked? differently. What if Solomon asked God, God, I want to know you, which was part of the instruction of his father to him. And we know David, David wasn't this like great, perfect king, but he had the biggest kingdom that the world has probably seen, except for Jesus' kingdom. So in First Chronicles 28, David sort of gives him instruction and we can learn from David. Um, he had a heart after God. It's one or two people that really knew God, that really understood God, that really had a heart, this hunger just to, to get to know Him. And, and he messed up a lot because God isn't looking for perfection. I mean, God is, God is looking for people that really have a need of Him. And if you and I come with this desire and say, well, I'm, I'm sort of independent and I want sort of God to bless me this year, then, then sorry. There's a generation of Jacob worshippers that are seeking God, who seek his face. First Chronicles 28, verse 8 to 10. Now, therefore, in the sight of Israel, 
the assembly of the Lord and in the hearing of our God, be careful to seek out all the commandments of the Lord your God, that you might possess this good land and leave it as an inheritance for your children after you forever. As for you, my son Solomon, know the God of your father and serve him with a loyal heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands all the intents of the thoughts. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. Consider now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. Be strong and do it. So David starts and he says, um, be careful. You're embarking on this and there's a lot of things that's going to happen. This is great nation, all this stuff. But he says, be careful. Seek out everything about God. <laughs> all these commandments. And later he repeats that. He says, you seek him with a loyal heart, but you seek him to serve him, to worship him. You don't seek him for his benefits. You don't seek him because there's a prosperity gospel. Or you don't seek him because you just feel bad about stuff in the past. Seek God to know him for who he really is. <laughs> now, when you go to the Middle East, uh, I told the story so many times, but this one lady that was sitting there in Iran and she didn't understand a word of English she was fasting for 21 days to get baptized. So she just would come every day and sit in the kitchen. She would literally sit in the kitchen and just sit on the floor as we were worshiping. And then she started to cry. She started to just weep. The tears were just running. She was on a 21-day fast. And at the end, just before we left, we baptized her in the, in the bathtub. Because when you get baptized in the Middle East, especially countries like that, you, that's your death certificate. That's like... You don't know if you're going to live anymore after that. Baptism is sort of the entry point for laying down your life for Christ. But I remember this lady, she didn't understand a word of English, but she would just come to sit in the presence of God. And she would just sit there for hours, just praying, seeking Him. And, and wanting to know Him for who He is. And that's, that's my question, which is a massive challenging one, because God's been asking me that. So I'm just preaching what... God is telling me, I mean, okay, I'm just sharing the burden. <laughs> do we want to know God for who he is? Do we really want to know him? Because at the end of that question, that answer that you and I are going to give is, it's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to work out the way that we think. It's not always going to be like, yeah, 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 Lord. Because the moment when we want to know God just because we want to get a couple of answers for our purpose or for our destiny or for some things that he must do, then we're not looking for his heart. Now, all of you who have got children, your children get to know this. They, they, sort of, they sort of figure out who's the weak one in the marriage. When you, all the single people just hang on a little bit here. But, but they will go and they'll always go to the softy first. And then they'll try and persuade. And if, if you're not really there, then, they, then they'll go to the other one. No, but, but dad said maybe... I must, I must come and ask you, you know, and then, then they sort of, they try to find that soft one, you know, and then if the one says yes and the other says no, then ooh, there's trouble, <laughs> okay, because <laughs> then they know they've got a way in, but they, children has, have got like this, this thing, you know, they, when they go for something, they, they go 100%, <laughs> and so David says here to Solomon, he says, look, yes, um, when, when you come, when you start to seek God, there is a massive promise. You're going to inherit the land. You're going to 
prosper. There's, but it's for an inheritance for your children's children. <laughs> You're going to possess it, and there's going to be so many things. You know, we, we can talk a lot about a, a lot of Christian events and a lot of stuff and a lot of plans we have for this year. But if we don't talk about seeking God, we are in trouble. <laughs> All of us have our plans, but unless the Lord builds the house, you labors, labors in vain. Amen. <laughs> Can you, can you say amen? I mean, it just means I agree. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Because I'm just busy with the introduction and the locking the doors and the chicken is going to burn today. Okay. So, in Luke chapter 11, verse 9 to 13, it says, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receive. And who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks... For a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? It's like a weird analogy, the two the th- things against each other. But if you then being evil, and I said last week, if you then being evil. Okay. <laughs> it comes from the place and the platform. If you and I think that we are good, we deceived. Scripture says from the word go, if you and, if, if you as a father or a mother, if you are being evil in your heart, because scripture even says don't trust your heart. The modern day gospel says, oh, you are so good and bring your goodness to God. The real gospel says, you are wicked. I'm wicked. There's no one good except the father. And if you don't come from that place, then you're never going to learn dependency on God. We're always going to be sort of like relying on God, but not real dependency. Because we're going to try to fix ourselves. We're going to try to make ourselves being healed. We're going to read more books and do a lot of things to, to get more, to be good people. And I love what Um Angus always says. He says, he's not in God. He's not interested in good people. He's interested in believers. Are you a believer? Do we believe in what Christ has done? So that's why it says, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now at the end of this service, we're going to take five minutes, everyone on his own, to ask God, Lord, how do you want me to seek you this year? So, so I'm just preparing you for that. Because I know normally everybody wants to rush. But, but we're going to just spend a little bit of time in the presence of God. So we're going to practice what we preach. Okay, so, so I'm, I'm just warning you. But Scripture says these three words, Matthew 7, verse 7 to 8, it says again, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receive and who seeks, find. And to him who knocks, it will be open. And I said last week that asking is about relationship. You don't ask a thing. You don't ask a building. You ask a person. So God is interested in relationship. He says, ask. Learn to ask. Pride makes us not ask or not receive. (laughs) I don't know if you sometimes, if somebody gives you a gift and then you think like, no, 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 no. No, 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 you know. Um, No, no. Or somebody gives you a compliment. It's sometimes difficult to receive. (laughs) And and then you get people that that like sometimes go the other way. No, 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 no. It wasn't. It was only God, you know. But there's this joke that goes around and says that this lady that says, oh, the guy said, yo, yo, no, no, this, came to the, the lady came to the pastor and said, pastor, that, that sermon was so amazing. It was so great. And, uh, and the pastor says, 
Yeah, it, no, no, it was only God. And then the lady looked at me and says, no, it wasn't that good. So she just bursted his bubble, you know. <laughs> but when, when you and I ask, it's because there's something to discover in relationship. So we come to God based on relationship. It's like 101 of the gospel, and yet we sometimes worship because we want feelings. We want, we want to, we want to get the purpose for the year. We want to, but God is interested that you ask Him. Now, now, I don't know if you've some, sometimes you, you stand, you go to people and then you sort of talk to them, but they're not like, they're not there. They're not in the moment. They're like always like looking at their feet or they're looking up in the air or they're like, you know, I, sometimes when I preach, now, now I'm going to put some people on the spot, you know, sometimes when I preach, I can see people sitting from the word go. They sit like this already. And then, then it's amazing. And I'm just honest with you. I know that that person will receive nothing. Because they've decided to receive nothing. Sometimes it's because of a hardness of our heart. Sometimes it's because, hey, you don't have 10 theological degrees and you haven't been up into the third heaven like me and you haven't. But, but the amazing thing is if you open and teachable and you want to have a relationship with God, then God will use sometimes children to speak to you. He used a donkey. So he can use anybody, anything. He says even creation. He speaks through creation. So, so when, when we ask, it's a approach. It's a coming to a person like a child would ask like, Hey, father, can I do this? Father. But it's a boldness because you know, sometimes he's going to just be quiet. He's going to say nothing. And sometimes he's going to say yes. And sometimes he's going to send you. And sometimes he's going to, but asking means you are in pursuit of a relationship. The second thing is seeking because something when you seek, when you ask, you go to a person. I go to you one because I want to ask him something. <laughs> but when I seek, I don't know the answer. When I seek, there's like a promise. There's something that is hidden. There's something this year that God is hidden. And that's why it's amazing. Scripture says that God hides himself in a mystery. He speaks in mysteries. He says even marriage, it's a mystery. It's, there's some stuff you can't understand. I have an amazing father-in-law. He always says, don't try to understand ladies, just love them. But scripture says, hey, husband, understand your wife, lest your prayers be hindered. Ooh. Sure, now all the ladies says, preach it, pastor, preach it. Yeah? <laughs> Bring it on. I don't know if ladies always understand themselves, but hallelujah, the Lord says that's what we must do. But the amazing thing is, there's a, in our relationship, the moment when the mystery goes, what happens is we become familiar. And that's, that's the beginning of a relationship going down the road, down just south. The moment when I become disrespectful, disrespectful and familiar with somebody, what, what happens is I take on the right to try to change you. I take on the right to assume certain things. I've come into a position where maybe I've hardened my heart towards you in that relationship. What has happened? I've stopped seeking. I've stopped learning that there's a mystery. God is, there's certain things in our relationship as a Christian married couple that God wants me to discover. And it's going to take all of your life. Because people change and we grow. We're not the same like we were 20 years ago. And this year, my wife and I are married for 20 years. Whoa, you know, we're only starting. 
So I spoke to uh, um, Johnny and them, and it's like 40. I said, oh, halfway, lay hands on me, please, you know. But the amazing thing is, I, I've learned that this is a discovery. This is a seeking. This is a process. And I can never assume the right that I know. Why? Because I want to serve. And that's why David says, when you see God, you must serve with that. <laughs> you need to learn to serve that person he loves. You need to give of yourself to that person. Because the amazing thing is that discovery. The amazing thing is like, and I said last week, when we play hide and seek with your children, and they're small, and you play the same game over and over and over and over again. And my, my son used to stand behind the curtain. And just hide himself and his feet would luck. You could see his feet. And then when I say, I'm coming, he would say, I'm not here. I'm not here. And then you go around in the room and you look like, oh, he's in the bathroom. And then you go like, oh, is he there? And then, I'm not here. I'm not here. And then you come into that room and then, then you like, open it up and like, whoa. And then it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. Okay. <laughs> okay. Hide and seek. Let's play the same game over. But for children, it never becomes boring. Why? Because they're so innocent, they're so pure. And so God says, don't just ask me for things that this becomes like, just seek, because I'm hiding certain stuff. The glory of God is in a mystery. And that's why your whole life you're going to search, you're going you're to look, and that means that you and I need to be teachable. We need to be humble. We need to say, God, I don't know, I haven't arrived. You know, the biggest stronghold, one of, the, one of the, these strongholds in this town is pride. There's a massive pride, intellectual pride, and it's a spirit, same like with the drinking spirit over Bacchus, over this town. And it's keeping people bound. You can see that. You, you stand next to the school fields and with your children, and then you realize like, oh, my chuna, you know? Everybody talks about oh, this and that. Don't fall for that spirit. Don't, don't pursue God just on an intellectual pursuit. Whew. Am I putting some stuff out there? Because God is interested in your heart. I'm going to read you a quote now that somebody sent me. Seek. Because there's faith involved. And there is the discovery of finding. And that's what he, what he, what he says in that first scripture. He says, so that, you know, I want to, I want to jump back to that scripture again. Let's, let's read it there in First Chronicles again. Uh, verse 9. As for you, my son... Solomon, know the God of your father and serve him with a loyal heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands all the intents of the thoughts. I wonder what God is searching when he's looking at us this morning. Because he says there, he searches all the hearts. So God is in the business of searching. I wonder what God wants to find. If God knows us, because he's God and he's perfect, why is God searching and what is he searching for? He's looking for something in your heart. Oh God, you know everything, you know all the ears on my head, you know, you know everything. And yet scripture says he searches the thoughts, the intents. What do you think about are you a worshiper? How do you respond? Are you, are you living by faith? Is there, have you lost that hunger inside of you? Ask, seek. And then the last one, this is the whole sermon of last week. So thank you for being patient with me. Knock. The Vines Dictionary says an importunity, an opportunity that is important in dealing with God. An action 
that follows the desire. So you cannot just say, Lord, yes, yes, the relationship is important. I'm seeking you. Just be spiritual. He says, now you need to go knock. Because knocking implies that there are certain closed doors that must open. There are certain things at the other side of the door. And that's why we need to sometimes have persistence and sometimes an urgency. An urgency for the times that we're living in. There's a lot of stuff happening in our nation and there's a lot of declarations being made and there's a lot of stuff. But how do we find our way through this year is only by seeking God. Don't come to God because you want to have a lot of answers. You want to have a solution. Don't go to God because of stuff and preconceptions. Say, God, I want to know you. I always would joke and say, hey, the first, first 10 million years in heaven, we're going to stand like this. Wow. That's going to be a huge word in heaven. Wow. Wow. Whoa. I remember this lady, um, um, Stephen Lungu's wife said, um, she was in hospital for 24 years, of oh, 24 years, not 24, 24 hours. Um, cause you all know the testimony, you shared the testimony last year of how she died and, and a lady, Hinda, still prayed for her over the phone, and she, she came to life. But she was still in a coma for 24 hours or more. And for 24 hours, they had to, because she had a visitation of heavens. Now, she doesn't talk about that, and that's for me very biblical, because a lot of people, the first thing they want to do is they want to tell the world about what heaven looks like and all that stuff. No mysteries, no, no. God doesn't just share everything with everything and everybody. God just shares stuff with people that seek Him. So be careful of people that just like want to bring revelation. Preaching is actually making people hungry for more. I have failed if I just give you 10 rules here today. But preaching is bringing the word, making you hungry for more to know God. Not to know about God. And so this, this lady, Auntie Lungu, she, they said that for the while she was in this coma, lying in the hospital, they were around her bed. They had to bind her hands to the to the bed because all she did all the time is she just went like, "Wow, wow!" Because they had an open vision of heaven for a, of a whole day, went on for for a while. But all she said was, wow, and she wanted, every time she did like this, all this stuff was going to be plucked out of, of her body, so they had to bind her hands to the, to the bed. And she didn't say a lot, but the one thing she said about seeing heaven is she said she saw colors in heaven that doesn't exist. So many colors in heaven that doesn't exist on earth. She said, we don't have a clue how big God is. I had a dream once, I've shared it before, but I had a dream once of, of sitting on a little bench in heaven. This, this was the most amazing, it was a very short dream. I was sitting on the bench and then God came to sit next to me. But I was just so overwhelmed by his presence. And, um, and he asked me one thing, he said, why does my people down there make me so small? And I'm so big. And the dream was over. Why do we make God so small when He's so big? He's all powerful. 
He's all-knowing, omniscient, omnipresent. He has no beginning and no end. God doesn't start somewhere. God's day doesn't start when your and my day starts. He knows everything. Knowing God, knocking, being persistent. And that means that you and I need to surrender wholeheartedly. Listen to this in Numbers 32. How God says about these group of people that didn't enter into the promised land. He says, none of the men who came up from Egypt from 20 years old and upwards shall see the land which I saw to Abram, to Isaac, and to Jacob, for they did not follow me fully. God says, a whole generation, I love them. I, I've, uh, I'm not going to reject them, but I've got one requirement. If you want to walk into the fullness of God, which is represented by the promised land, the Old Testament, then... You're going to need to learn to follow me fully. But Lord, I can't. Well, great. That's a great place to start. You're going to need to wholeheartedly. Scripture talks about a surrendered, a circumcised heart. It means that the Lord wants you to start by sharing everything, the good and the bad, the everything in your heart. Can I get an amen? Okay, so let me read you some scriptures. Are you with me? Ten minutes and then we're going to spend that five minutes. Just asking God. Say, God, we're not coming with preconceived ideas. We want to ask you, how should we seek you? What, what, what are you seeking in my heart? Psalm 37, verse 3 to 4. That trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself also in God. And he shall give you the desires of your heart. Psalm 27, verse 3 to 6. This, um, I'm just reading all these scriptures so that we can sort of get a bit of a connection with how David related to God. Psalm 27. Because sometimes things were not going well in his life. Sometimes there were like crazy armies against him. <laughs> Psalm 27. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord, one thing that I will seek, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. One thing I've sought is I want to see the beauty of God. I want to know the wow with God. Listen to this. Verse 5, for in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. And I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. My heart responded. <laughs> He doesn't so much talk about his head because his head gets in the way. I'm going to need to figure this out. There's a whole army coming against me. But let your heart respond. God is restoring the tabernacle of David to the church. God is restoring a generation that seeks his face, not seeks the things about God or just go to nice Christian events or just download more sermons or just like, hey, this is a new song around the block. It's a generation that says, God, we, we want to walk into your presence. We want to know you. Psalm 34 verse 10, 
The young lion suffers want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. May that be like a promise in your life in this year. The, the, the world out there, the, the lions, they suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Psalm 105 verse 4, seek the Lord and his strengths. Seek his presence continually. <laughs> There's an exclamation mark there, I mean, we read scripture in that way. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. <laughs> Job, but we get distracted, eh? There's one thing that people in Stellenbosch say, oh, we're so busy. The children's programs are so busy. The things are just happening over and over. And then we get distracted. Our own children, their programs, everything. We get so focused. But those who seek me will find me. Those who knock, those who desire me. And I know, yes, sometimes, oh, you know, we, we get into that. But, but that's... We cannot compromise on that. There was a big preacher we met there in, the, in um, Singapore one day, and he said to me, well, if I'm busy the day, and I know my program is massively busy, I wake up an hour earlier because I need God more. <gasps> no, 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 no. I'm going to get tired, you know. <laughs> Seek the Lord and His strength. You will only find strength in God. When he begins to speak to you, when he releases his word over you and I, and he, and he begins to say, hey, it's going to be okay. Yes, you're going to make it. Yes. But his presence, seek him continually. Psalm 119 verse 2. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. Sure. It's getting very quiet in here. But hallelujah. Listen to what... The great writer to the Hebrews, to the Jews say, not to the Hebrews, to the Jews. After he mentioned the great men of faith, Hebrews 11. After he's argued for 10 chapters on the fact that he starts with actually with Hebrews chapter 1. And he says, God sent his final word. And his final word was his son, Jesus Christ. I must say, I get sometimes a bit tense when people say, oh, God is going to bring a revival. God is going to do a new thing. God is going to like, and I think like, okay, yes. But God also says there's nothing new under the sun. (laughs) If we don't find contentment in our revelation of the cross, we're going to get deceived. We're going to look for other things. Revival means to revisit, to revision, to re-see, to see again what Christ has done for us. And so a contentment and a thankfulness about the fullness of Christ, seeking what he has already done, then we don't, especially as the charismatic church, run after every new cold dust that falls and all this stuff. And I'm, I'm not saying for or against. I'm just saying like crazy. We get so crazy because we're like, now we run to this tangent, then we run to that tangent. And we should just stop at the cross and realize he died there, but he's not there anymore. He's risen. And that's why when Paul prays, he says, I pray that Christ be formed in you. I pray that you'll know Christ. He says in Philippians 2 and 3, he says, that I might know Christ. (laughs) And the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, not being conformed to the image of his death. So in Hebrews 11, we get these massive faith guys that change the world. And in Hebrews 12, he says, therefore. You've read about all these people changing the world for God, but 
Therefore, since we also are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that he set before us. And how do we run this race? Looking unto Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despised the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He says, you have to run this race, but as you run it, don't look to the people around you that cheer you on. Don't look to the Christian events. Don't look to Jesus. <laughs> he's finished the race. He's standing there. He's waiting. He says, he's the author. He's the finisher of your faith, of our faith. Now imagine I come to you and I give you a book and I say, hey, here's a book of your life. God has written this book completely of what you should do, what you're going to do, chapter 1 to chapter 24. Everything. Somebody wrote a book about your faith. The author and the finisher of your faith. Sure, wouldn't you like, like a... Whoa, <laughs> excuse me, chicken burn, cancel the lunch. I want to read this book. <laughs> I want to know, is this going to end good or bad? Is this, you know, what, what, what is, oh, chapter 10. I want to, I want to get that name. Who am I going to marry? Oh, how many kids? Yeah, I want to just, just like, yeah. And God says he's inviting you chapter by chapter as he's going to reveal it. To come to the author and the finisher of your faith. But I'm bad at reading books. I read five at the same time. So I start with one chapter here and get a bit bored, read that book over there, and then somebody tells me, oh, and then I go like that, you know, and then I, it's crazy, yeah? We're all different. My wife Louise, she reads like one book, she starts, especially holidays. We dread the day when she starts to read the book because then we don't see her. We have to make our own food. We have to do like we feel like deserted. We like, because when she gets into bed, she's like, like, she just reads that whole book one day and it's finished. And then we sit there. She says, no, no, she can read three books a year and that's it. You know, <laughs> but it's, it's amazing how we're all different. The way we read, you know, will tell you a lot about your personality. Some people just don't like reading. It's too boring. What's happening out there? Where are all the people? What's happening? You know, and you're like, Tells you a lot about your personality. And that's why God uses the context and says, when you run this race, don't look at the crowd. Don't run with weights that so easily weighs you down. Don't run with sins that so easily entangle you that keeps you back. The weights hold you down so that you cannot run fully. The sins entangle you in a web so you can't run eventually. He says, but when you run, look to Jesus. And this is the invitation for us, for the body of Christ in the West. We are facing a lot of challenges. Because there's a lot of people that have itchy ears at the moment. There's a lot of people that run after things or the new revelations. Deception is rife in the church, especially in the West. And God wants to purify His church and that will either happen through a group of people that begin to call out and cry out to him and say, God, we want to know you. We want to know you for who you are. Or it will happen through persecution. It's the only way God purifies the church. And his first option, his first desire, 
is that you and I will seek him. That we will cry out to him day and night and say, God, we're not satisfied. It's not a performance. It's just a desire. It's just a longing to be with him. (laughs) A longing to say, Lord, you know, when are you returning? And for me, the barometer in the church and in your life, in my life, whether we are in the will of God or outside of the will of God is determined by one thing, by your longing for his return or not. Do you think about it? Do you think about the moment when Jesus is coming? Do we live for eternity? Or do we live because we're so rooted in this world? But the first church greeted each other and said, Maranatha. They woke up to each other and they said, Quibus, if I don't see you again, may Jesus return. May he come. It's, it's, it's just amazing. They say maybe maybe we're not going to see each other. Maybe we've got an appointment for Wednesday. But you know, maybe he's going to come back before then. Are you ready? Are you seeking him? Are you preparing for him? And that's our challenge because we get so distracted. There's so many things that want to veil us. There's some of us here that have burdens on us that you're not supposed to carry. (laughs) Things that you're worrying about. Weights that the world has put on you. And you must give it to God. You must say, God, here it is. There's a couple of people here, the Lord showed me, he wants to heal you. You have skin problems. And he wants to come and touch you. But don't look for the healing, look for the healer. Because when you find him, something happens. Something is restored in your life because it's, you've been asking him. You've not asking for a healing. You've asked for the healer to come. And the moment when you encounter the healer, he's not just going to heal you, but he's going to equip you and give you an opportunity to give a grace to others, to heal them, because it's just him that flows a grace through your life. Then suddenly the church begins to change because you know the healer. It's not a once-off healing that you just receive in your life. You have the ability to walk up and say, hey, I know the healer. Can I pray for you? And somebody will get healed because you know where it comes from. It's not just the individualistic, my God and me, my alone. And so David says, be careful. Are you willing to seek? I want the band to come up. And um, I've warned you about those five minutes. Lock the doors. (laughs) As they come up, I want to give you a promise of knowing. Because we spoke about last year about the fact that we're in the days of Noah. You know, I met um, Henry and Tanim. Many yesterday from Zimbabwe, five years ago, they were kicked out of their farm. They just left their farm in Zimbabwe without anything. Just them, their car. And the first thing God asked them, will you trust me? So I sat yesterday morning, all morning with them and just sharing. And it's so amazing. You sit with this couple and you think they've left, they've got nothing. And they said, but God is enough for us. We've been preaching the gospel. We've been going around. We're ministering to all these people in the rural areas. Lots of people that are disillusioned, especially Afrikaner people that are disillusioned with the church. That's why one of the reasons why we're starting an Afrikaan service, because we're going to stream these services to all these little groups all over the Platteland. People that are in need of the gospel. 
Lots of people that are breaking away and saying, well, it's not about the church, but it's about the word of God. What does the word of God say about this? It's amazing. People are waking up and people are beginning to ask the question. People aren't dummies anymore, just like, oh, because the leader says so, we're going to do it. It's a group of people that's beginning to ask. We want to know God. We want to know the truth and the truth shall set us free. And I sat the whole morning yesterday just them sharing testimonies of how these little group of family in the Busman land, you know, all of them got baptized. Grandfather, grandmother, everybody, and we're like, just the whole group, you know. The guy took one of these Jojo tanks and cut it in half and put it down. You know, there is no water there in the Busman land, but they brought all the water, you know. Second-hand water, third-hand water, but they filled that thing. They, this is going to be a proper baptism, you know. Out there, there's nothing. There's not even bushes there. There's just like, like you see one bush every three miles, you know, and there's like, and then this guy shares his testimony of how God provides. He says, yeah, but since he's become a Christian, the whole corporation area just cut them off and said, you're not going to get anything for your, for your, um, for your cattle and for your stuff because you're not radical Christians. I said, well, God will provide. Within two weeks, this man phones him and says, do you know what? Six years ago, our car broke down next to your farm and we come from the Northern Capes and God just said to us, we must bring a couple of trucks of food for your cows and your sheep. We'll be there in a week. So he says he sits there in his broken rimpi stuliki. That's broken rimpi chair. I don't know what rimpi stuliki is. He sits there and he says he's so satisfied because he knows God has spoken. Everything looked like there's no way. And then God comes. He says, will you trust in me? Will you allow me to be your provider? Will you seek me with all of your heart? Isn't that what Jesus said? Love the Lord with all of your heart. But Lord, that's so impossible. I want to give you a little bits of my heart. There's a generation that is crying out. They're weeping between the porch and the altars. And they say, God, we're not satisfied. We want to know you. And next week we're going to talk about this, Daniel 11:32. Those who do wickedly against the covenant, he shall corrupt with flattery. But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. In the context of Daniel, we're going to talk a bit about that. In the context of Daniel, Daniel was the head of the soothsayers and the magicians. He was in one of the most crazy circumstances that the church was in. And in the middle of it. The Holy Spirit comes. God raises up a Daniel. That when all the world compromised, he opened up the door, the little window, went on his knees, prayed to Jerusalem, say, God, I know you. The king said, no, no, throw them in the fire, burn them. I said, well, even if God doesn't come through for us, we will not bow to these idols because we know God. Sure. A strength. A courage. But you can't psych people up to do that. To do great minor exploits. You can't. That will be a fleshly thing. Until people know their God. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.